Amen. Okay, we're going to go ahead and jump in. Thank you all for coming this morning. Welcome to everybody that's online. Uh, we are, as of right now, Facebook only uh, for our simulcast, our uh, streaming. Uh, we no longer are streaming to Vimeo. And so just making that clear. So that old site of uh, the one that's on the paperwork that we're going to have to change. I think it says uh, kairoskc.online.church uh, currently does not work. I'm going to see if I can change over the... Yes, it doesn't. It, it does not. Right. If you tried to log in there, you're not going to find us. It'll just say service starting soon, and then it never starts. Uh, trying to uh, see if I can change over the setting and get the live stream going to it, uh, but uh, working on it. Otherwise, Facebook, it is live every week on our Facebook page, and uh, you don't have to have a Facebook account to see it. You just go to facebook.com backslash Kairos KC or Kairos Kansas City. Kairos, Kansas City, sorry. And uh, it'll ask you to log in, but just ignore that, and you can see it there, and you click on it, and then it'll, you can watch it live stream right there. Yeah. If you want to go back and watch something that's pre-recorded, you're going to have to have a Facebook account. But that morning, you're welcome to log in right then and watch. Amen. Let's see. Uh, thanks, Dennis, for the building update. Yes and amen. We are up to $33,770 toward our 180. So we're just shy of that first, first mark on our thermometer, our second mark, 20%, I think it is. And so we're almost there. 36000 would be 20%. So yes and amen. Little by little, we're going to get it because the Lord is faithful. And uh, I was trying to think if, if we could come up with a different slogan, and uh, one of the suggestions was, free me from mob, but it didn't, didn't go over. Mm -hmm. You like it, Jill? Free me from mob? Free me from mob. 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 You know, mob. The carpet color? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> anyway... I don't know what I opened there. I didn't mean to open that. Okay. We'll let you guys have conversations later. I have two things that I wanted to share with you this morning before we get into the word. First one is, um, which I thought was kind of cool, it is the Lord's Prayer in the original Aramaic. So it's an English tr translation from the original Aramaic. Aramaic. So I have not checked the validity of this. I assume by the person who posted, who I know well, uh, posted something accurate. But this is just kind of fun. It's different. So it says, Beloved Father who fills all realms, may you be honored in me. Let your divine rule come now. Let your will come true in all the universe, in the heavens and on earth. Give us all that we need for each day and untangle the knots of unforgiveness that bind us within as we let go of the guilt of others. Let us not be lost in superficial things, but let us be free from that which keeps us from our true purpose. From you comes all, all rule, the strength to act, and the song that beautifies all from age to age. Amen. I just thought that was kind of a neat translation of the Lord's Prayer. And then I have a little joke, and then we'll get into more serious, uh, fun stuff that Jesus is doing. Uh, this guy writes, he says, uh, wow, my wife before me dated a clown. Then she started going out with me. I have some pretty big shoes to fill. <laughs> okay, enough dad jokes. Remember, dad jokes are good for you, healthy for you. Uh, I want to invite the Talmages up to share. They had a kind of a unique, cool experience, God experience this past week, and we're going to let them share about it. I'm going to tell you a story. This is a story about three arrows. It's a prophetic message to us, and I hope to you as well. We have a big yard, a 
backyard is about one acre. And for a number of years, we did archery in the yard. In the beginning, I just set up a target, but we were losing too many arrows. So then I spread a, a tarp, like a curtain, behind the target, but we were still shooting either too high or too wide. And we would, I would look for these stray arrows, but sometimes it just seemed that they had just vanished. And we would, we would crisscross the yard, we would go side to side, back and forth, up and down, up and down. We knew that the arrows were there, but we just couldn't find them. Over this past year, my grass suffered a lot of damage from a number of things. And last week after church, when I got back to my house, I was walking through the backyard just to assess the situation with the grass. And all of a sudden, I looked down, there's an arrow. That's a surprise. And then I looked down again, and there was another one. And then I looked down again, and there was another one. I said, oh my gosh. And they were pretty much all in the same area, off to the left from where we used to shoot. So later I told Marilyn about it, and then I understood that this was a prophetic sign to us from the Lord. So she's going to explain why this is so significant. So this past year, um, the Lord has really had me in a focused way praying for prodigals. And in fact, we launched a prayer meeting here at the church, and that is one of the, the prominent themes that we pray for. Um, so praying not just for my prodigals, but praying for all of yours as well. And um, so when, when Dave shared this with me, I immediately knew that it was a sign from the Lord. Um, our wedding, uh, the theme for our wedding came from Psalm 127. And I'm going to read just the, the last part of it, which wasn't really what we were thinking about at our wedding, but as years went on, it became very precious to us. It says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man whose quiver is full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies in the gate. So these arrows, these were arrows, we've bought many, many arrows over the years of doing archery. But these arrows are significant in that they were original arrows. They were, so we have searched our yard many dozens of times doing a grid search to locate lost arrows. And these were arrows that, the physical arrows, we had no hope of finding. We just figured they were gone. I mean, we knew that they were, we didn't know, I mean, they didn't, we don't shoot so well that they flew so far that we couldn't find them, but we couldn't find them. And we had given up on, on looking for them. So these arrows represent our children. And these were arrows that were shot and they went astray. They didn't land where we wanted them to land. And now they're found. And I, I believe, and, and I shared with, our, with the prayer group that we meet with on Wednesday night, and I was seeing this as a prophecy for our family, and it is, but each one of them also claimed it as they heard it. So I believe this is a prophetic sign. I've gotten prophetic words before, but this is a prophetic sign. And I believe that God wants to encourage our hearts to continue to contend 
for the prodigals and to call them home. I'd like us to take a look at the story of the prodigal son from uh, Luke chapter 15, beginning verse 11. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said, give me my share of the estate. So the father divided his property between them. The younger son got all his stuff together and went to a distant country and squandered his wealth and wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. He was starving to death. Eventually, he decided to go back to his father. When he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. I want to emphasize verse 24. This son of mine was dead and has come back to life. He was lost and has been found. That which was lost has now been found. Amen. If you have a prodigal, we're going to pray now for prodigals. And if you, if there's a prodigal in your family, and you want prayer for them, you can come forward and just join, join with us. Yeah. A prodigal might be a sister. It might be a brother. It might be a child. It might be a you know someone in your family that that once professed the Lord once professed to know Jesus but wandered away. This is a spiritual battle and we need to engage in spiritual warfare. So let's pray together. I'm calling the prodigals, those who have left the path, those who have lost their way, those who have gone astray, those who are now living in darkness and confusion. Prodigals, be released. Prodigals, come forth. In Jesus' name, come, come forth. May bonds be broken. May scales fall from eyes. May ears be unplugged. May hearts be softened to receive the word of the Lord and an understanding of the revelation of God's truth. Prodigals, receive the message of God's hope and love. Receive the message of God's grace and mercy. Receive the message of God's goodness. Receive the message of God's power to heal and forgive. Lord, we ask for grace. We ask for grace for these families of prodigals. God, some of us have, have almost given up. 
But God, I ask for you to strengthen us. I ask for you to cause us to stand in the gap and to to not be satisfied, to continue to cry out, God, would you give us grace for intercession in this house, grace to call them forth, grace to welcome them, grace to watch for them. God, children who were birthed for your glory, and the world has stolen them away, and they've been blinded by so many things. God, we ask for you to release the scales from their eyes now. Cause them to see the truth of their situation. Cause for them to remember the Father's house. Draw them by your spirit. Draw them, Father. Call them home. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you are faithful, Lord, and that you love them, Lord, Father, that you seek them out, Lord. You're the Father standing there watching. Lord, move upon their hearts as only you can, Lord. Open the doors of their hearts, Lord. Father, we thank you, Lord Jesus, for a softening of their heart toward you. And Lord, that you would bring people across their path that would just love on them and point them toward you, Lord Jesus. Lord, speak to them in their dreams, Lord. Speak to them when they're uh, driving their cars, Lord. Speak to them, Father, when they least expect it. Show them your love, Father. Reveal to them your goodness and your tender heart toward them, Lord. Your deep love for them, Father. We loose them to hear from you, Lord Jesus. We loose them to have softened hearts, to seek you and to serve you, Father. We thank you, Father, for that you're big enough, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Amen. Woo. I frame those. Sharice, mm-hmm. did you want to? Yeah. Sharice had a testimony she wanted to share along the same vein. Same flow of the river. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I brought this Bible with me. Maybe it's a blanket right now. <laughs> a little, my little comfort. But um, <clears throat> for the past, my nephew's birthday was last Sunday. He turned 15. Praise God. Praise God for many things concerning him turning 15. Um, for two years, he has been struggling with the prodigal son spirit, running away, and us not knowing where he is. There was a, once we thought he'd burned up in a fire. Once we thought he'd drowned in a flood. And some really scary moments of him just running off and not telling us where he has gone for days, close to a week, um, a number of times. And I had to talk to him and say, do you not believe, want to be home safe? where you have shelter, where you have food, where you have clothing, a comfortable bed, um, uh, where people love you, where uh, uh, you're, just where you're safe with your family. And it's almost like he didn't believe he was worthy of a loving family where people care about him. Um, You know, just almost like the devil was just telling him, you're not loved. You're not cared about. You're not worthy of goodness in your life. He just did not believe he was a child of God, the child of the king. And I was like, I had to tell him, you are chosen. You are royal. You are loved of God. You are worthy of all that uh, God has blessed you with, parents that love you friends that care about you, a roof over your head, clothes on your back, shoes on your feet, good food at your table. You are worthy of it. You need to come home and stay home. We love you. Stop running off. Stop going without taking showers and brushing your teeth and putting on clean clothes. 
That is not your life. Your life is not homelessness. That is not your life. We had to keep telling him that over and over and over until it sunk in. I was just sending him scriptures all the time, just scripture after scripture after scripture until it sunk in that you are the child of a king. You are worthy. You are loved. Until it just, that spirit of, that prodigal son spirit just broke off of him. And I talked to him last night, and I told, and I said, I'm so grateful that you're home and that you're safe. And I told him, I'm proud of you, and I love you. And I had to do, like, stuff I don't like to do, like withhold <laughs> giving him things because, you know, I'm ultimate auntie. I don't, I want to give him everything, right? So, you know, I had to, like, not buy him stuff that I, yeah. Yeah, do what was healthy, boundaries and stuff like that. So his birthday came, and I was like, you know, what do you want for your birthday? He's like, oh, I want these shoes, I want this belt. And I was like, okay, you know, because he'd been doing good. You know, his grades are good, and he's been staying home, and he's been helping out with, chores and stuff. I was like, okay, you know, you proved to me that you can do well and be consistent. So I bought the shoes and I bought the belt and for his birthday and he's doing so much better. So if you are praying for that prodigal son spirit to break off of someone in your faith, keep praying and keep speaking the word of God over that person. And it, God is faithful. Do you all hear me what I'm saying? God is faithful to keep his promises. Do whatever, don't, it's, see it in the spirit, okay? That's what I'm saying. See it in the spirit. If it looks like it's not happening, rebuke that and say, I, I continue to believe in the spirit what God has promised. It will happen. They will come home and just give God the glory regardless of what it looks like. It will happen because my, I'm telling you, it, it was hard. It was rough. It was rough for a while. But God was faithful to keep his promise. And we just continued to pray and speak the word of God. And God did it for my family. He will do it for yours. Believe God for his promises. Every promise is yes and amen. 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 The Lord is good all the time. Amen to that. I think the key, some key takeaways were uh, uh, hearing what the Lord says and believing it and beginning to declare that. And uh, with, uh, with Trayvon, it was a lie that he had grabbed a hold of and believed, which was causing behavior. And often we go after the behavior and ignore what's happening in the heart. And if we allow the Lord, the Lord wants to deal with the heart and get in there and take care of the heart because that takes care of the behavior. And so uh, in Isaiah 54, verse 8, it talks about, you know, for a while I was upset with you, but I'm not mad at you any longer. And I, we need to keep that in mind when we're dealing with prodigals, uh, not to be angry with them, but to love them where they are and to get the heart of Jesus for them see their heart, see the wound in their heart, and be praying for that, that the Lord would provide a way to heal that area of their heart so that they can see Jesus, the way how truly Jesus is. There's a lie they believed, and they need to see the, the, the truth of that so they can be free. Amen? Jesus is for them very much. He fights. He fights for them. I love the uh, arrows. Uh, I would frame them, and they'd be up in, in my house, you know, and I'd be like, yes, Jesus, I see them. You brought them. Come on. Come on. Come on, Jesus. Yes and amen. Would you turn in your Bibles with me to the book of Psalms, Psalms 91. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. We're going to go ahead and pray over the word this morning. Holy Spirit, we thank you that your uh, presence is here. We thank you that you have come to reveal Jesus. You thank you, Lord, that you uh, uh, 
complete your ministry so well and we give you permission in our lives to do as you desire, Father. To convict, to inspire, to challenge, uh, to reveal Jesus. Whatever you want to do, Holy Spirit, have your way this morning. We so love you. We so love you, Jesus, for your work on the cross that accomplished everything. We thank you that you are our high priest, our intercessor. Father, thank you that you are the Lamb of God, the one worthy to open the seals. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for it. Father, thank you that you are a good Father and that you have goodwill toward us. Thank you, Father, for your mercies, your mercy that is new every morning, Lord, and your faithfulness. Thank you, Father, for it. Speak to us from your word this morning, Lord, and encourage us as we walk in your will. In Jesus' name, amen. So we are in Psalms 91, and I want to just read just the first verse. This is a great uh, chapter. It's a great chapter to uh, read over and encourage yourself, especially when you're going through battles, uh, to remind yourself. But I want to focus in on verse 1 and then build upon that. It says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. So he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High, the one who makes his abode, the one who makes his house inside or lives in the house, the protection, the shelter of God, he will abide or he will rest or he will uh, take a peaceful time in the shadow because he's under the covering of the one who has all power, okay? So we, have, we dwell in the shelter, and we dwell there by the blood of Jesus. It is the blood of Jesus that gives us access into the shelter. It is the blood of Jesus that gives you access into the shelter. You have relationship with Jesus. You have relationship with the Father because of the blood of Jesus. So if there is anything that is keeping you from receiving the blood of Jesus in your life, deal with it and receive the blood of Jesus. Come on now. Because you have access into the shelter, you are able to rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Under the care of the Father, you're able to have peace you're able to come into his presence and to stay there. John 15, Jesus talks about this when he talks about being grafted into the vine, that he is the vine, we are the branches. And you've been grafted in by the blood of Jesus. You are now in the vine. And the presence of God that's in Jesus, the presence of God flows through you and in you. And Jesus says, abide in the vine. So rest in that. Stay attached to and enjoy the covering that Jesus gives you. Jesus goes on to say, or he says in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, he says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I'm going to give you rest. Weary and heavy laden is you trying to do it on your own strength. You trying to carry either the weight of your sin or the weight of the world, or the weight of anything else, the weight of the need, and trying to carry it yourself. And Jesus says, hey, come to me and abide under the shadow. Let me be the strength that carries you through. Take my yoke upon me and learn of me. Jesus desires for us to walk in and live in the peace that is promised by abiding. You already dwell there as a believer, but it's the abiding that you walk out. And that promise of Jesus is to come and experience his rest. Now, how do we walk that out? Well, apostolically, I think there's a couple ways to walk it out. First one I would say to you is Remember when Jesus said, peace be still. And so if you, if you remember that situation, it's, it's found in uh, Mark chapter 4, verse 35 through 40. And Jesus had just fed the thousands, 
And he says, okay, we're going to cross over the lake. And they get into the boat. And they are crossing over the water in this humongous storm. Jesus is tired and he lays down to take a nap. There's this humongous storm that takes place. The disciples are awake. Jesus is asleep. The boat begins to rock. This humongous storm's happening. Begins to fill up the boat. The boat begins to sink. The disciples begin, uh, become afraid. We're going to die. They wake Jesus up. Jesus, everything is falling apart. Wake up. We're all going to die. Don't you care that we're going to perish? And Jesus arises and he says to them, O ye of little faith. And then he speaks to the storm and rebukes the storm and he says, Peace be still. And the storm ends. And then he probably goes back and lays down. See, you're in the boat with Jesus because you dwell in his shelter. And it's remembering what he has said to you in the midst of the storm so that you can speak to the storm what Jesus says. So they're in this boat, and instead of speaking to the storm, they wake Jesus up. Jesus, you've got to do something about the storm. You've got to do something about the storm because we're going to die. Don't you care? So instead of walking in their authority, understanding who they are in Him, understanding what they possess because of their relationship, they turn it around and become accusatory toward Him that he, uh, His lack of faithfulness. And they begin to say, Jesus, don't you care that we're going to die? Don't you see me? Don't you know I'm here? Don't you see my problem? And Jesus like, well, guys, okay. So he gets up, he takes care of the issue, and then he says, come on, guys, where's your faith? That isn't faith in his ability to take care of it. That's faith in your position in him. It's a challenge to you, an apostolic mandate to you as sent ones to carry his authority and walk in it. Any one of these disciples, just like Peter when you mentioned earlier when he said, hey, Jesus, call me out. And Jesus says, well, come on out. Any of the other disciples could have done the same thing. Any of these disciples could have stood up in the boat and said, peace be still. Jesus said, we're going to cross over. We're crossing over and you're in our way. Stop it. And the storm would have diminished. They were amazed that Jesus had authority even over the wind and the waves, not realizing that they themselves had been delegated that authority. They come to walk into different degrees at it, in it later on in their life. You remember in the book of Acts when Peter is walking into the temple and he sees the beggar and the, the beggar sees them and begins to ask for money and Peter says, gold and silver I don't have, but what I do have I give to you. And what does Peter give to him? Jesus. And Peter gives it to him in authority. Because Peter has the authority to give Jesus. Are you catching this? Peter has the authority to give Jesus, and Jesus is far valuable than gold and silver. So he says, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. Peter has authority to Give Jesus. You have authority to give Jesus. Sure gets quiet. Let me give you a practical example. So when I was uh, 15, I got saved. Uh, my sister got saved about two weeks after me. And then uh, I had another sister that got saved uh, about five months after that. My oldest sister had already been saved but rededicated her life. There's seven of us all together. And so what we decided to do, and then my brother got saved. Uh, and so there were two siblings that were not believers. There were five of us that were. And we got this revelation. 
let's join together every Monday night by phone. I'm sorry, we didn't do it by phone. We just did it. Let's join together every Monday night at 7 p.m. because we are in different parts of the United States. We're going to pray together in unity at 7 p.m. for our two siblings that were not saved. And we did that Monday upon Monday upon Monday. I don't know how long it went. I think about a year. But I, I could ask my siblings to figure out. We did this until we had peace. And it wasn't long after that that my two siblings, the two oldest brothers, gave their heart to the Lord. And now they're all. They're all believers. All my, all, all my siblings are believers, love Jesus, raised their kids to love Jesus. My point is... We took our authority in Christ Jesus and began to act upon it. We had a revelation. I'm not glorifying us. I'm just trying to give you a practical example of when it clicks that, oh, wait just a minute, why am I putting up with this? Why am I putting up with this storm expecting Jesus to do something? Let me just use the delegate authority he's given me. So let's begin to pray. And so we gathered together and we began to pray. And it helped that there were five of us praying together because it helped for accountability, it helped for faith, it helped to encourage. It's hard to do it when you're by yourself. But you begin to pray. You begin to use your authority. You begin to speak from that authority and begin to see God move. Why do things happen on the mission field? Well, there's an expectation of things happening. And so out of that expectation, you use your authority. And sometimes it's a hard field and, you know, you don't see the fruit that you're wanting as fast, but you still use your authority because you know you've been sent for a purpose and you act upon that purpose as an ambassador and out of that you use your authority and you, you act upon it until you begin to see the fruit. Peace be still isn't Jesus, please help me. I'm a victim and have no power. Come and save me. It is Jesus, I know I can't do anything, but I know you have authority, so I'm taking your authority and I'm acting upon it. In the name of Jesus, not Matt, because Matt can't got nothing, but in the name of Jesus, Jesus, this is what you said and I'm agreeing with it. Now, can we force God to do anything? No. So if you step out and you're doing something uh, stupid, uh, I think God will bless you for a while and then he'll correct you. Because he's for you, not against you. I'll give you a little bit of example. So I had read, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with it, a book on Mueller. He was a man in the, uh, I think, 1800s that fed orphans in England. And George Mueller, I think is his name. And he prayed by faith and the Lord provided daily what they needed. I mean, like, he never asked for money. He just prayed and God would bring in the food to feed these three meals a day seven days a week, 365 days a year, and it went on for a long time. So he, he had a revelation, and there was a book written about him, and he walked that out to inspire us to know that God is able to provide for you. He's not limited. He's not limited by your job, by your current occupation, by your lack of job right now. He's not limited. If he is your source, he's able to. So I had read that, and I'd read a couple more books, and uh, I'd read a book called Intercessor, uh, Life Story of Reese Howell, and some other inspirational things like that to understand as a, as a young kid, because I was I'm passionate, and I, I wanted to know uh, how to reach the world. And um, I, I'm zealous, so I'm 20-something, I'm single, and I, I understood that the Lord would provide, and he began to teach me, I think I'm giving you some hit, uh, Testimonies of how the Lord miraculously financially provide for me on the mission field. Uh, one time, real quick, uh, we were needing a printer. Uh, we did not have a printer. Everything, we had one of those uh, purple, smelly. I had personally brought it over. You know, the cha-ching, cha-ching. used to have in high school when we were younger, you know, and they, sm they have that smell. You, you kids have no idea what I'm talking about, but it's just before copy machines. You had to make an original and use a certain ink, and all the paper came out this smelly. So we had one of those, and we were like, we've got to come into the 20th century, and we needed a, cop, a printer, like a laser printer. And it was $800 at that time, because laser printers were not cheap. 
and I was uh, walking um, to the bus, and I thought, sorry, I was riding the bus home from the office after a night of frustration dealing with a ching and I said, Lord, is there any way you can print do you perfectly honest with you, no, I don't believe, one, that you'll do it for me, and two, that you're able. I'm just being honest with you, I, that do you really see me, do you really hear me, do you really care about our need here, and are you really able to somehow make $800? So I'm riding the trolley bus home, heading toward my stop, and uh, I, I get home, and as soon as I get home, the phone rings, and this was back with landlines, you know, we had a phone and uh, not cell phones, landlines, and the phone rings, I pick it up, and it's this guy that had come on a mission trip, uh, visited uh, Russia probably the year previous, his name is Charles, he's a good friend of mine, and uh, Charles goes, hey, what are you prayed about, and I said, what do you mean, he said, well, the Lord keeps telling me and won't leave me alone that you need $900, what's it for, and I said, well, 900 minus the 10% the agency takes would be exactly $810, which is what we need for this laser printer that I need. I mean, walking from the bus stop to my house, and the prayer was answered. So the Lord knows your needs and is able to meet your needs. He's able to come into and, and cause you to come into the peace that he has for you by using the authority you possess in Christ Jesus. Being honest with him and stepping out. Peace be still. Don't put up with the storm. Peace be still. Let me say that again. Don't put up with the storm. Peace be still. There's times in, in, our, in our married life, there's times we've been in situations, we've been in the middle of storms, not knowing what to do, and we're like, she's really good about this, because I'll sit there and be like, oh, and she'll go, we need to pray together, and I said, okay, so she'll go, you pray, <laughs> come on, come on, Bubby, pray, and uh so I start praying, and man, the faith is there, and we're in agreement, and we begin to pray over this, and we begin to speak to the storm what Jesus says. If two or more agree on anything. Speaking to the storm. I think these arrows remind us to not stop speaking to the storm, to not lose heart, not lose faith, to continue to fight, continue to speak what Jesus wants over our families, over our city, over our church, over ourselves. Peace be still. See, we dwell in the shelter, but resting in the shadow is understanding your authority and acting upon it. That's how you truly rest. Ambassadors generally don't get upset when things go wrong. They're like, hmm, okay, are you sure you want to act that way? You know, because, you know, I have the full force of the army behind me. I'm just a man, but in my stead, in my title, carries the full weight of the force of the army and the whole nation. It's not like I've got to solve the problem. I got all that. So in the authority of that, I tell you, watch your ways. Jesus says that to us. I'm sending you out. Go ye therefore. See, and maybe that's where you get it. You're like, well, has the Lord sent me? Well, just read Mark 11, or Mark, uh, Mark. Mark 16, uh, Matthew 28. Go ye therefore into all the world. Go ye are you a part of ye? In the new slang, you've been yeeted. 
Bet you didn't know that King James was popular, was did you? Had that slang down. You've been yeeted. Go ye into all the world. Yeeting is to, I think, something like send out or throw out or... I don't know, you can look it up. You talk to some Gen Zer and they'll explain what yeeting is. I don't fully know. But you've been sent out. You individually have been sent out. You are a light. So be encouraged in that and begin to speak to those storms that rage around you. Number two, as you rest in the shadow, number two, count it all joy. James 1.4 says, uh, let me just read it. It says, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations and trials. Should have had a marker in this one. Oh, Matthew. There it is. Uh, it's James 1.2. My apologies. Through 4th. I forgot to put... Uh, 2-4. Uh, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. So when the waves begin to come up and the wind begin to blow, count it as joy, not as a, oh no. For you know that the testing of your faith, do you trust Jesus? Do you know him down deep in your heart? Do you understand the fullness of his love towards you? For that testing of that faith produces steadfastness because it gives me an opportunity to understand who he really is and see his faithfulness. If I never walk through a storm, I never see that he's almighty. I can't see him calm storms that I never walk through. I can't see him safe me from the fire and from the flood Isaiah 43, if I never walk through them. Are they fun? No, they're not. But as I walk through them, I can count it joy because I see this test my faith produces steadfastness and we let that steadfastness, verse 4, have its full effect. It sinks down deep in us and makes us strong. It builds that muscle of trust in the Lord and the understanding of our authority so that we can be mature or perfect, complete and lacking in nothing. Jesus wants that, wants you walking in the full ambassadorship that you possess. And so sometimes you go through trials and struggles that test your understanding and your belief in your ambassadorship. Is God able to provide? Does his love extend far enough? Is his mercy able to cover? Is his blood sufficient? Is his healing power able to meet that need? Is the resurrection power of Jesus still alive today? When we go through these things, we're able to come to a point where we can count it joy. See, we don't want to let the trials define Jesus or our faith. We tell Jesus, or we not tell Jesus, we let Jesus define the trials. We let Jesus define the situations. We let him speak into them. Lamentations chapter 3. I had that one marked. Great verses. I was singing it this morning. I was a little discouraged and I was walking the dog and I was singing in my neighborhood. This verse, I encourage you to learn songs that, that sing scripture because they're great. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Man, if you're ever walking and the sun is coming up and you're singing this, it's inspiring. They are new every morning, new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, O Lord. Great is your faithfulness. James 1, 4 
and Lamentations 3 go together. Because James 1, 4 allows us the opportunity to believe in and trust Lamentations 3. We're able to declare, Lord, you're faithful. I'm going to look for your joy in this situation. I'm going to look for your joy. I don't see it. I may not see it right now, but I'm going to look for your joy in this situation. I was reminded as I was preparing this, uh, there's a verse in Romans, I think, I didn't look it up, where it says, don't think more highly of yourself. I'm thinking it's in Romans, if I'm thinking correctly. But I'll look it up, and if you need the actual location, I'll find it. But Paul encourages you, hey, don't think, think of yourself more highly than you are. In the same way, I want to encourage you, don't allow your trials to be higher than they actually are. Don't allow them, don't think of them as greater than they actually are. Don't glorify them, don't set them on a higher seed, don't put them in a higher place than, than the power and the faithfulness and the steadfastness of Jesus. You can be honest and you can say, Lord, I know where I am right now and my steadfastness and my trust in you isn't where it needs to be in the midst of this storm. But Lord, I'm not going to say this storm is greater than you. Jesus, come. Help me to walk in the fullness you have for me and to remain in joy. Because I know I'm in the shelter, so I want to rest in the shadow. The apostolic mandate for you this morning, guys, is to carry this in your life and to the world around you. Using that authority that you possess over your children, over your families, over your finances, over the world of influence that you have, speaking what Jesus wants, bringing Jesus to the world around you, being that light. You know, the, the crazy thing about a light is it shines through. And sometimes in the, when it's most dark, the light is most visible. But let it shine, because the light chases away the darkness. The light chases away the darkness. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of hearing a theme here um, that I want to just encourage us with and to pray into before we leave. So thank you guys for sharing your story about how um, the God was speaking to you about arrows in our quiver and being faithful to pray for those um, prodigals that are still um, out there and bringing them home and then Matt talking about the storms in our life and and um, speaking to those storms and I to me the theme kind of here is believing who God says he is and believing in what he says he has done and that's the difference between us and maybe the rest of the world. This is who we are as the church, is we have the word of the Lord to stand on. We have the Father to, 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 what? to trust in. Yes, we have the Father to trust in, and we have the power of heaven too. We have the authority of Jesus, and that's what makes us different than the world around us. But... I'm really thankful for my eyes. I'm really thankful for what I see. And just like the world, we can see problems. We can see struggles. We can see that we have prayed and prayed and prayed, and we don't see anything happening. And this is where we as the church have to stand on what the Word says and stand on what Jesus has done. You know, we are the head and not the tail. If he said it, he's going to do it. I know with... Um, one of our daughters, we had been praying for four years for God to move and just speaking over her what God has called her to be, what he has brought her into. When you train up a child in the way they will go, when they are old, they will not depart from it. And when you stand on the word and when you stand on what Jesus says and you keep doing that and keep doing it, like warring over that, 
it becomes more true than what you see or what you don't see. And this is who we are as believers. We might have different storms. If I asked every one of us in here, what are you going through? What storm is in your life right now? What are you struggling with? It would, all, it would be something different. But what is the same about all of us is we believe in what Jesus says. We believe in what the word says. And we can stand on that. There's a lot of risky things out there in the world. Um, you know, we're people who generally don't like to take risks if we don't know that we're going to get something back for it. Jesus and his word is a risk that you can always, always, always take. Even if it doesn't make sense, even if we don't see it right away, we can stand on his word and we will see his faithfulness because he's good. Because he's good, because he's faithful. Even if it takes a while, he is still good. He is still faithful. I was reading in Proverbs, there's that verse. I don't know if you know it. It's not real familiar. Proverbs 22 where it says, do not forsake or do not remove the ancient landmarks. And what that speaks to me is kind of like out here when you, when you go out those front doors, we have all those little rocks of things that people um, wrote on of, of words or promises that the Lord has said to them. That's a landmark. I know each of us have had an area in our life where the Lord has shown up and where he has done something miraculously. That's a landmark. Don't remove those from your thoughts. Don't remove those from your thinking. Don't remove the ancient landmarks because that is what we can continue to rely on and to build our faith on. God did it this time. He's going to do it again. He's going to do it again. Oh, he did it for Sharice. He did it for you. He did it for you. He can do it for me. He's going to do it again. And so I just want to um, pray with us, pray with me, pray for you um, that we don't forget and that we become a people that stands on God's word no matter what, no matter what. Uh, we were talking about, you know, you brought up your um, arrows in the quiver and, and you applied to how God spoke to you about our children, our heritage of the Lord, and they are uh, blessed as the man who has a, a quiver full of arrows. Last week when Matt was talking about <clears throat> the prodigal son, um, somewhere in the service, I felt like the Lord said to me, we are his arrows. We are, we are the arrows in God's quiver that he can rely on to shoot out to the world and to impact and influence the world for him, for his kingdom, bringing his authority to life situation, whatever it is, whatever it is. So I just want to pray for us that we remember that. Remember the ancient landmarks, that we have that faith and that fire to stand on what Jesus has said so we can be the arrows that go out. Will you pray with me? <clears throat> Father, I just thank you for your word this morning, for your truth this morning, for your faithfulness that we have seen through testimonies this morning. And Lord, I know that if we think about it right now, if we think about those ancient landmarks where you have come through in a time where we needed you most, I know we would remember them, Lord. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would bring into our remembrance times when you have moved, times when you have been faithful to your word, things that we have forgotten either, even. Bring into our remembrance those times. And Holy Spirit of fire, I pray that you would just stir up that spirit of faith within us. That spirit of faith, Lord, to believe that if you said it, it is true, it will come to pass. Give us faith, Lord, to believe in you. Even when we can't see it, even when we don't know how it's going to work out, faith that you will be faithful to your promises. Lord, help us to believe. Help us to be strong. Help us to be still in your authority. Give us strength and, and fervency to pray and to stand on your word and to fight off the storms that come. 
In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Amen. Why don't you, as you're heading out, just uh, speak, peace, be still. Peace, be still. God bless you. See you next week.